It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 63, Samuel, the Word of Knowledge, and the Anointing of Saul. Years after Jesus died on the cross and was raised again, and the church was birthed at Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Apostle Paul, who worked in signs and wonders at around 55 AD, was able to put his thumb on creating a list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a letter to the Corinthian church. In these gifts and others, the lawful power of God is available to those who believe. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by that same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishment between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. In summary, there are three sets of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you could honestly bucket them in a variety of ways. Here's one way. There's nine gifts of the Spirit in three categories. There are revelatory gifts, such as the message of knowledge and message of wisdom, or in other words, told as the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom, and discernment. There are the power gifts, faith, healing, miracles, and there is the utterance gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. We have touched on faith in the Joshua episode. Prophecy has been an ongoing theme, and we've seen miracles and healing with Moses. And in this episode, we'll see one of the greatest examples of the word of knowledge at work in the ministry of Samuel. Samuel operates very accurately in prophecy and wisdom, but we will see the word of knowledge in this account in the ministry to Saul. So instead of focusing on the anointing of Saul, which we'll cover plenty of later, The highlight here will be the detailed account of Samuel and how he ministers. Despite Samuel's failure as a parent, his ministry is really, really incredible. After all, it was Samuel that it was said of him that God let none of his words fall to the ground. All right, here we go. 1 Samuel 9. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekur, the son of Ephiah of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father Kish were lost, and Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the servants with you, and go and look for the donkeys. So what we have here is a man named Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, who was a man of standing, which implies he was quite wealthy. He was a head taller than his countrymen, and he was handsome. In the world's eyes, Saul had it all. 
So Saul goes on a journey for his lost donkeys. Now, donkeys were a sign of wealth back then, so this was a really big deal. But it's okay to think like we do in today's vernacular. Donkeys also represent stubborn and stupid. Remember Samson and his last words after that one battle? With a donkey's jawbone, I made donkeys of you? Ah, oh, what a one-liner. Why, why do I say this? Because Saul will show himself to be man's choice, a perfect man on the outside, but rotten to the core on the inside. He will show himself to be a perfect fool. And sorry if I ruined it for you, but there will be plenty of surprises coming up, even knowing Saul will be a royal loser from the beginning. The people are getting what they asked for, a king to fight their battles. Yet there will be a few bright moments at the beginning. So Saul was so distraught about his donkeys, his servants told him they should go into the nearest city and ask the prophet of God where the donkeys were. Interesting, Saul didn't know where the prophet was, but his servants did. While young Saul was wandering, searching for his donkeys, Samuel hears from the Lord in the town of Benjamin. This is what God tells Samuel. 1 Samuel 9:16. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked at my people, for their cry has reached me. So Samuel must have been a little excited. I mean, he was told the future king would be coming to see him, and he would anoint him. He made his preparations, just as the Lord said... 1 Samuel 9:17 When Samuel caught sight of Saul the Lord said to him This is the man I spoke to you he will govern my people Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked Would you please tell me where the seer's house is I am the seer Samuel replied Go up ahead of me to the high place for today you are to eat with me and in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart Interesting I mean, again, it's interesting. Saul didn't even know who the prophet was. He stood next to him face to face. He didn't re recognize who he was whatsoever. Saul was ignorant of spiritual things in Israel. He was worldly and his heart was not committed to God. But Samuel wasn't offended. Instead, he had a meal prepared for him to honor this future leader. In fact, Samuel must have thought, what a great looking man and future king we have here. I absolutely love Samuel's next statement. Though Saul really doesn't get it, Samuel was revealing the power of God to him. Discerning his reason for coming to town, he revealed to him a piece of information that was unknown to Saul, and he follows it with the word of prophecy. Now, I'm normally going to read the NIV translation because it's easier on the English, but I'm going to read this section in the original King James just because it's cleverly written with the thys and nows and how Samuel speaks to Saul's thine asses. It's just kind of funny. So here we go. 1 Samuel 9, 20. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and all thy father's house? So let's park here and discuss the word of knowledge, but let me read it in more modern English. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. Note here, Saul hasn't asked about his donkeys yet. 
But Samuel tells him and eases his concern. At that moment, Saul was stressed and his mind was concerned and worried about his donkeys. Well, somewhere in Israel, probably not far away, the donkeys were found. This was existing knowledge, for it had already happened. It was just not known to Saul. God, who knows everything, who's omniscient, has the ability to reveal existing information. Saul, your donkeys have been found. Your reason for coming here is fulfilled. Now it's my turn to speak. God had a bigger plan for Saul here. Could it be an angel led those donkeys away just for God to prove his power through Samuel? Now that Saul has found his donkeys, God was going to honor him and speak to him. 1 Samuel 9.21 Saul answered, But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at a head of those who were invited, about thirty in number. Samuel said to the cook, Bring the piece of meat I gave you, and the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took up the thigh with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, Here is what has been kept for you. Eat, because it was set aside for you for this occasion, for the time I said I have invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day. And they came down from the high place to the town. Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. Can you imagine the conversations the two had? Must have been memorable after all they will go through later. I can imagine Samuel reflecting upon that day for many, many years to come. 1 Samuel 9.26 They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready, and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. And as they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell your servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while, so that I may give you a message from God. So this is interesting. This could, in a way, be considered our first true message to kings in a sort of way. The first official king was going to be receiving a word from the Lord. 1 Samuel 10 Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Take note here that Saul gets a flask of oil poured upon him. Now David later will get a horn full of oil, which is way much more. Saul has a limited anointing. There is only so much available for him. His container is too small. So let's park here and discuss the anointing. Here is Webster's 1828 definition of anointing. Smearing with oil, pouring on oil or other substance, consecrating. The art of smearing with oil or a consecration. Now here's the definition of consecration. To make or declare to be sacred by certain ceremonies or rites. To appropriate to sacred uses. To set apart, dedicate, or devote to the service of worship of God as to consecrate a church. Let's add a little more. Anointed or the anointing could imply set apart for a purpose, an inherent authority for a purpose given to a select person or group or region. 
In the New Testament, it says we should pray for those who are sick and anoint them with oil and they will recover. So there's a practical side to the word anointing as well. There's the kingly purpose, the healing purpose, and other possible implications of the anointing. For this reason, we'll discuss more about the anointing when Saul loses it and it goes to David. But I'll leave you with the question. Are you anointed? Has God anointed you for a purpose? Now the first king of Israel is anointed, and it was done in private. Now the rest of the account is just amazing when you look at it from the perspective of giftings of Samuel. God said of Samuel that he let none of his words fall to the ground. So it's such a really cool look at prophecy and fulfillment with Samuel. A confirmation of all that was about to happen to Saul in the upcoming day. Samuel the prophet would give Saul many signs and significant ones. He would tell him all that would happen in the next day, word for word. We could have a little fun with the symbolism of each thing that happens, but just reading the account for what happened is almost enough. It's so incredible the depths that God would go to confirm his word to Saul. Imagine if you woke up in the morning and a friend came by your house and told you everything you would do and everything that people would say to you for the next day. I would be overwhelmed that God would love me so much to reveal that he was above time and space and overwhelmed that he cared so much about my little life. God was watching over this new anointed king of Israel and he had a real plan for him. And check out the sheer gifting of Samuel the prophet. How accurate and confident to give a person a complete play-by-play of their upcoming day. This is what happens next. 1 Samuel 10, 2 When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found, and now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, What shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place. With lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps, being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Alright, so this was the play-by-play-by-play that Samuel told Saul. It's ridiculous, minutiae detail. If Saul was a journaler, He would have written this down and waited and watched the fulfillment of this in the next day. And it's truly remarkable. As Saul was leaving the city, don't you think, don't you think he was thinking this crazy prophet? How can I believe him all the crazy things he said? Just as he was processing these thoughts, the revelation of what he said came to happen. And if this wasn't enough, there is a very peculiar statement by Samuel just before Saul leaves. 1 Samuel 10, 8 Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. 
Now this was a crazy placement for this prophetic statement. It's out of step with the rest of his prophecies, and it's a bit out of place because the fulfillment or lack thereof will not occur until 1 Samuel 13, three chapters later and possibly years later. It's strange, and we'll cover it later because it's a fascinating look at prophecy, which we'll see later with the major prophets, how words are true, but timing and fulfillment are always in God's hands. How within even mid-sentence, a prophet could be speaking about a semi-current word and instantly changed to talking about end times. So we'll be tabling this verse for the time being in its strange placement until we get to its fulfillment and painful breaking of the word. After Saul receives these prophecies and words, it gets even more interesting. 1 Samuel 10, 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled that day. Let me read that again. When Saul turned to leave, God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled this day. In a moment, God changed Saul's heart. Could it mean he went from an unbeliever to a believer in a moment? Could it be it was the effect of the anointing upon him? It's hard to know for sure, but it does remind me of Apostle Paul who went from imprisoning Christians to becoming one of them. The greatest heart change and greatest miracle of all is the changing of our hearts from darkness to light. In Ezekiel, it speaks of God giving people a new heart and mind. With God, all things are possible. So we don't have a lot of detail on how Samuel's play-by-play words were fulfilled, but we do have a lot of detail regarding another peculiar event. If we haven't had enough in this episode, which reveals something about the gift of prophecy and how Samuel had a school of prophets and how Saul had a gift when he allowed himself to walk into it. Here it is, 1 Samuel 10 10. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man who lived there answered, And who is their father? So it became a saying, Is Saul also among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. Let's conclude this episode with a further look at the spiritual gift of word of knowledge. Jesus himself said that my sheep hear my voice. If we hear his voice, get ready. God will talk to you. Sometimes it will be in the now, in the past, or current with the word of knowledge or directional with wisdom, or in the future with prophecy. It's just what happens when you're in relationship with the God above time and space. It should be that simple. We can't be afraid or limit God in what he can say to us. God is not limited to time like we are, but we are in relationship with the one above time. Spiritual gifts are meant to be worked together. In the case of Samuel, he flows between the word of knowledge word of wisdom, and prophecy. Others like Elijah or Peter flow together in different gifts, such as prophecy and healing. ask you, the listeners, have you ever known something and you didn't know where you got it from? 
that could have been the word of knowledge. You ever prayed to find your lost wallet, and you all of a sudden think, I haven't looked in the dresser drawer. Could that have been a word of knowledge spoken to you as a simple thought? A lost wallet is a really simple example. Other examples range from knowing one's medical condition to a divine knowing of things that just comes and is hard to explain. Or maybe a combination lock that you forgot or a computer password and after prayer it just comes to you. Or what about an impossible solution that came to you in government or the marketplace? If you are anointed for a purpose that God has assigned you to, why cannot God give you supernatural knowledge? I like the example of the word of knowledge at work in Samuel, but there are many others like Jesus with the woman at the well from John chapter 4. I know you have five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. This simple statement caused her to believe. Or Jesus with Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. This is where we take it practical. Think with me as we consider the ministry to the souls of the world. We all have a different walk and responsibility. Say you're in the work world and you have a boss who's concerned about his or her budgets and sales and goals. I mean, really, how important are those things? Your job is to look this person in the eye and with God's revelation to say words of knowledge that bring peace in God's presence. To say in the case of Saul that your donkeys have been found. Quit worrying about your donkeys God has a bigger plan for you. He wants to anoint you. The voice of God brings peace, and God wants to speak through you. Just spend time with him like Samuel did, and listen and see if you, as a believer, are the one to bring God's anointing and presence and power and blessing to those around you. And if he comes in power and presence, and with his gifts, prepare yourself and be obedient. And be amazed as God uses you to speak to the souls of the world and bring them peace with simple words like, Your donkeys have been found. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as Saul walks into the kingship and rescues Israel from a foreign king. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question. Or if you want to chat, email me at messagetokings at gmail.com.